right, good morning to you. Nice to see you here today. I heard a story one time about a uh, fellow that took his wife out for a special evening. And they started at a restaurant, their favorite restaurant, and um, all of a sudden there was a, there was a, a large uh, plant near their table. And all of a sudden this guy just kind of pulled the plant back and stuck his head through the plant and looked right at this man and woman. And all he said was, is that, uh, he said, I'm a medium and I'm very happy. And then he disappeared. And the woman said to her husband, said, what in the world was that all about? And he said, I had no idea. And after the, the dinner, they, they were going to a movie and he said they, they went in and they, they sat down and right before the movie started, uh, there was a guy right in front of him and he turned around and it was that same guy. And he said, I'm a medium and I'm so happy. And then he got up and he ran out. And after the movie was over, they were just kind of weirded out by this guy that they kept seeing, but they decided to go outside the city and, and they, they parked and they, they uh, you know, they were middle-aged, so they looked up at the stars. And um, all of a sudden, this guy appeared at their window again, and he said the same thing. He said to the man, he said, he said, I'm a medium, and I'm so happy. And the guy finally just hauled back and just hit the guy in the face as hard as he could, knocked him out onto the ground, and his wife said, honey, why in the world did you do that? And he said, listen, I didn't know what to do, and my grandfather always told me, if I don't know what to do, just always try to strike a happy medium. Worst joke ever, right? But um, that's the best I could do. You know, I want to ask you a question this morning. What does God want you to do? You know, think about this question for a moment because it's a question we ask every day, isn't it? I mean, we get up and we go to work and maybe we're, maybe we're anticipating a difficult day at work and we pray that prayer. God, what do you want me, how, how do you want me to handle this? God, be with me. Help me to say or to do the right things. You know, have you ever been shopping for something? I mean, something even as, as mundane as a pair of shoes or something as, as important as a house. And you say, God, you know, lead me, God. Help me to, help me to make the, the best decision, the wisest decision. I want, to, I want to choose as you would have me to choose. It's a question that we ask every day. And you know, for some people... I think it's a question that we don't ask nearly enough. I mean, we seem to live in a culture today that seems to not, not go to God and ask him this, God, who are you and who do you want me to be? God, how are you my, my father, my savior, my friend, and how do you want me to act today? How do you want me to live today? More often than not, today, in today's culture and climate, we go to God and say, God, this is who I am, and I know you'll accept me. And you know what? He will, but he always accepts us not to leave us where we are, but to take us to a better place, a place of more faith and more devotion to him. I think that the passage that we're going to be looking at today from Micah, from the, from the prophet Micah. I hope you're doing this reading plan with us. And this week, as you get into Micah, I hope that you'll see this in, 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 a, in a wonderful way, exactly what God is trying to teach us here through, through, this, uh, through this prophet, through this prophet Micah. Because I think what he gives us here is this, is this foundational principle 
that means so much. Let me, let me show you the verse in verse number 8. Look at this. He has shown us, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly in the Lord. You know, I know there's been a lot of talk this week, and you've probably heard a lot of the talk about the revival that has been going on in, um, in Asbury uh, in, a, in, in a little school over near Lexington, Kentucky. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's wonderful. But you know, anytime we go into a house of the Lord, we have to realize that what God does to us and before us and in us in that place of worship must have an impact. A, a profound effect on who we are when we leave that place. Because if you read Micah, especially chapter 6, he says there, he says, he says Is it enough, isn't it enough to sacrifice thousands of rams? No. Or how about, how about to have uh, uh, oil, olive oil, that would fill rivers? And he said, no. And then it's out of that context that he says this. This is what I want from you. I want you to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly in the Lord. See, I want to start this morning by telling you that this is a, this is a foundational principle in the life of every believer. Because you can ask yourself, does this verse describe me? And in, and, in, and in a real way, your answer to that, does this verse describe me? It'll tell you exactly how you're, how you're doing in your, in your walk with the Lord. It's a foundational principle. I don't know how often you travel up and down Brush Mountain Road. You know, I told Lindsay, uh, Lindsay, um, Lindsay and Matt, what's his last name? What's Lindsay's last name? Lindsay and Matt uh, works at Reliance. Huh? Riley, yeah, that's it. Lindsay, I heard somebody say it. Thank you. Uh, Lindsay Riley, she lives on that street, and I, we live on that street, and she and I have determined that it's because of us that they put in those speed bumps. <laughs> if you've traveled down, you know they, they've installed three speed bumps down Brush Mountain Road, and Lindsay, uh, uh, she, she and I have determined that, that it's because of us that they put those speed bumps in. But if you've traveled down that road, and if you get down toward my house, you'll notice over on the left that they're, they're building something. And they've been building it for, for months. I mean, they moved these trucks and things in there uh, months ago. And every day when coming and going, I always look and I always see the progress. They've been building for months. You know, you, know how, you know how far along they are? There's absolutely nothing out of the ground. But they've worked there. They've worked there every day. Now, you can tell something's going on, but you can see that it's all going on below the surface. You see, because whatever they're building there, and I've heard that it's, a, it's multiple apartment buildings in, in some way. But it's taken, it's taken months, and they're still, they're still not finished with the foundation. You see, that's why I refer to this as, as the foundational point of guidance, because you can, you can, you can judge your own life and where you are, and how good you're doing, and how faithful you're, 
coming by looking at this verse and asking, you know, this is who God wants me to be. This is who God wants me to become. This is how God wants me to act. This is what God wants me to do every day. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly in the Lord. Matter of fact, Jesus said that a lot of times people build their house on on clay or on on sand and it gets washed away. But if you build if you build your house on on a rock, it'll withstand the storms that come against it. You know, Arlene and I, when we were on vacation just a few weeks ago, we were walking down a um, a beach and there was this beautiful sandcastle that a young person had built. And Arlene said, I want to go over there and just knock that down. (laughs) Now, in my wisdom, I told her, honey, you don't have to do that. You'll hurt that little kid's feelings. But come back in an hour or so, and the waves and the water would have done it for you. He's hoping so many times people today, they don't build on a solid foundation. But here's the thing. Let me show you something interesting from this this passage. It's in verse 8, and if you'll notice it, it actually says this. In in just the beginning of that verse that I read to you there a moment ago, it it says, He has shown you. He has shown you that this this is what pleases God, for for you to act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. This is who God wants you to be. He has shown you. I found this an interesting statement because you don't see this statement used or spoken like this in in any other prophetic word that is given. Because most of the time when a prophecy is given uh, in the Old Testament, and you can look there and you can see them, most of the time the prophet says, this is what God has told me to tell you. But Micah changes that here. And he says that God has shown you. You know, in reality, what what I think he's trying to say there is that when God tells me to to, uh, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly, I know that. And when I don't do that, when I don't live that way, when I don't respond, In that way, I know and I understand in my heart that what I'm doing is disobedience to God. You see, I'm not here this morning to give you all the answers of what does God want you to do because you know, I know, God has showed us these things. God has revealed these things to us. We understand, we realize he has shown you to an extent that he's already revealed the answer. It's there in his word. It's there in the life of Jesus. We understand what obedience to God looks like when God tells us in the life of Jesus that we are to treat others in the same way that we want to be treated. That wonderful, beautiful verse, that that little golden nugget, that little simple rule that we know that we ought to live by, that we fall so short of so often. We understand that. You know, I kind of like what what, uh, um, 
Dr. Phil says, you know, when, when people are trying to do it their own way, he always says the same thing. He says, how's that working out for you? We see that. So I'm calling you to a different understanding today, asking, asking God to help us to become who he wants us to be and for us all to start with this beautiful foundational point of guidance. And when we build on this foundation, it is incredible what we are able to build. It, when, when a life is built on, on the golden rule, on doing unto others, when life is built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, when, the life, when our lives are built on this kind of understanding from, from God saying, listen, this is who I want you to be first. When we do that, it is incredible what God can erect in a life like that. You know, I do love this idea that he gets to here. Uh, one commentator I read said that, that the, these three statements, to, to, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly, are all really three elements of one command. And the point was simply this, that, that, that if you have one without the other two, you really don't have anything. If you only have two without the third one, regardless of which two you pick, you're incomplete in your obedience to God. That you really need all three of these. You really need, you know, for example, do you know anybody that, man, they're all about justice. They're all about justice, meeting out justice, determining who deserves justice, judgment. I know a lot of people that, that, that that's what they are. But if you have justice without mercy and humility, what do you really have? Pride, maybe. I mean, I know people that are, that are, um, uh, that are all about mercy. Oh, my goodness. Let's just, let's just give them another chance. I, I, had a, I had a pretty awful experience with my granddaughter last night. Actually, the whole family did. We had a wonderful time. We went over to Pittsburgh. We had dinner together. We're sitting around the table eating hamburgers that Arlene and Sarah had fixed on the grill, and everything was so good, and Finley just kept saying, you know what, I don't, mine doesn't taste good. I don't like it. I don't want it, and you know, they took the bread away, and they took the cheese off, and she still wouldn't eat, and still wouldn't eat. Never did eat until everybody else started eating a cupcake, and all of a sudden she wanted a cupcake, and the word was, no cupcake, you didn't eat. Then I want my hamburger. Hamburger was gone. And literally, as, as we left the house and left town, I could still hear her screaming. You know, that's a wonderful experience as a grandparent, just to drive away from that. Because <laughs> you know what? If I'd have stayed another minute, you know what I'd have done? I'd have given her a cupcake. But what do you have, what do you have if, you, if you just have mercy? If there's no justice, if there's no humility, you're incomplete. You see, folks, what God is telling us here is that we need all three of these in abundance. So think about it. To do justly. Another way that you could say this is to, is to treat people correctly, to treat people 
right. And as you put these three statements together, you know, to, to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly, there are three commands in one, really. But it's to do what is right, to treat people well, to do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. The real test is when we have to, is when we have to, when we have to pay a, a personal price. Justice. You know, we, we're, we're, we're okay with justice as long as it doesn't cost us anything. But once we, have to, once we have to pay a price, Psalm 15 says it this way, that God honors the person who keeps his oath even when it hurts. You see, that's who God wants us to be. He wants us to, he wants us to keep our promises even when it hurts. You know, to do justly means that we, we don't take advantage of of other people, especially, especially from those, and I think that this is what the prophet has in mind, especially those that are weak and defenseless. God doesn't want us to, you know, and you think about it, some of the most, some of the most miserable and despicable people in the world are the people that do not act justly to the weak and to the vulnerable around us. It is not a spirit of God that makes you to look at a person that is destitute and the only thing you feel is thanksgiving that that's not you. When Jesus looked at the multitudes, he saw, he saw sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus never walked by anyone who needed something that he had the capacity to give. And here's the thing, folks. Micah is reminding the people of God that God is like this. Matter of fact, Jesus says in a lot of places that the, that the measure that we use to measure other people is the measure that God will use to measure us. Remember in the Old Testament when God told the Hebrew people, said when you, when you, uh, when you harvest your crops, don't harvest to the very edge of the fields. But to leave the edge of the fields, what? For the poor and the needy in your land so that they can pick from those. So many times now, we just take, we just take everything that we can and everything that we can get for ourselves. And you know what, folks? This, this, is a, this says a lot to all of us, how we view other people. Also, how we view people that work for us. You ever known anybody that just pays a person just as little as they have to so that they can you know, make as much profit as they can. That's not the Spirit of God. That's not the Spirit of God. I, I talked to a person recently who told me that the company that they worked for had a, had a $300,000 profit sharing that they shared with just a handful of people in their company. So could you get me an application? That was a little funny, wasn't it, Janice? Yeah, you know, I mean, who doesn't want to work for somebody like that? With that kind of heart. And with that kind of willingness to share and to help other people. You know, if you read a little bit further, 
in this uh, passage. Here, let me have it for you. Let me show you. I have it here on here. Listen, listen to verse 9. He said, listen, the Lord is calling to the city and to, and to fear your name is wisdom. Heed the rod and the one who appointed it. Am I still to forget your ill-gotten treasure, your wicked house, and the short ephah, which is accursed? Shall I acquit someone with dishonest scales, with a bag of false weights? You rich people are violent. Your inhabitants are liars, and their tongues speak deceitfully. Therefore, I have begun to destroy you. Your ruin will come because of your sin. And what was their sin? Their sin was to not, to not think about justice, to not think about mercy, and not to walk humbly in the Lord. You know, the second thing that he talks about here is to walk humbly. You know, someone has said that there's no sin that separates us further from God and pride. Why? Because pride comes before the fall. That pride will convince you that you don't need God. That pride will tell you that you're enough and you don't need any more. And he says here that we are to, we are to uh, uh, love mercy and to walk humbly in the Lord. And when you think about that, that walking of um, humbly and that, that, that uh, uh, loving mercy, that, that the mercy is what develops in our heart that will help us to realize that we are dependent not just on ourselves, but on God. You know, you know the greatest thing that will help you to be merciful is to realize how much you depend on mercy. How much you and I depend on mercy. We don't think we need mercy, he says in verse 11. Probably uh, belongs to a self-righteous person who is in serious peril, he says. What did Jesus say? He said, blessed are the merciful. For they shall what? Obtain mercy. You see, our ability to be merciful depends a lot on our understanding of mercy. You know, I think I think one of the reasons God has taught me this is I've I've been to a lot of games over the years in college football and basketball and, and otherwise where I've I've had my orange on and we've lost. I've taken that taken that walk of shame from the stadium to the car in your favorite colors. And you can you can feel the stares, you can you can hear the, the words. And you know what I found when I when I when I go somewhere like that now and and my team wins. Oh man, I I don't point a finger. I don't say ha ha look at you. I remember being at a Penn State game one time. I don't remember who they were playing. Maybe it was Nebraska because I remember the person was just red all over. They were painted red, their clothes were red, their shoes were red, and 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 Penn State just killed them. And I walked out behind behind that guy out of the stadium, all the way to the car, and I thought, man, terrible being him. Because every, you know, uh, uh, real fans can be unmerciful, right? And, and in a lot of ways, the fans of Penn State were, were like that that day. They were just unmerciful to this. Now, you know, being a UT fan, I'm, I'm much more into mercy, and I, I'm much more 
more, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah, we all do it, don't we? But you know what, folks, when we, when we understand how much mercy has come to us, then we can in turn turn around and be merciful to other people. Jesus tells about a time that he, that the first scribes and Pharisees brought a woman to him who had been caught in adultery and, and they pointed out that, that, that the law required that she be stoned to death. And I, I, I've always, it's been one of the mysteries of the Bible I'd love to find out about. And one day we will when we get to heaven. But while Jesus was talking to these, these, these less than justice, less than merciful, less than humble people, as they judged and, and um, wanted this woman to get what she deserved, Jesus bent down and he wrote something in the ground. Now, scholars say that, that they think what he was writing in the ground was the sins of all the people there that was passing judgment on her. And that may very well be. Can you imagine what that had been like? You know, you glance over and Jesus is writing down something that you know is one of your most egregious sins that you thought nobody knew anything about. And he says, okay, any, whoever you, without sin, you can... You can throw the first one. It says one by one, they, they, they must have saw what he wrote on the ground. Whatever it was, it, it made them walk away. And then what does Jesus give her? Mercy and love and forgiveness. To do justly to the widows and the orphans and the poor and the people that have less. Not based on what we think they deserve, but what, what God calls us to. That God calls us to, to love mercy, to not allow pride to overcome us, to where we do not give to others exactly what God has given to us. And then he says, and then he says, walk humbly. C.S. Lewis calls pride the essential vice and the ultimate evil. The essential vice and the ultimate evil. In mere Christianity, this is what he wrote. Quote, he says, unchastity, or not love, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison to pride. Pride leads us every time to every other vice. That's why in the list of the fruits of the Spirit, one of them is what? One of them is uh, making sure that you have self-control. Someone once said that without self-control, none of the other fruits of the Spirit are even possible. You've got to have self-control before you can have any of the other spirits. And just like that, when we are, when we are prideful... It leads to every other vice. He, he also calls it an anti-God state of mind. Walking with God will always lead us to the less fortunate. Walking with God will always cause us to choose mercy and to offer it. Walking with God will always help us to walk, walk humbly and unless we're willing to walk humbly with God, unless we're willing to be humble with people, walking humbly with God 
gives us the ability to acknowledge our own failures and to acknowledge a better future in God, our Savior, and our friend. But here's the point, folks. As I get get down towards the end of this, does this describe us? You know, does this... Does this passage describe us? That this is who I am regardless of of anything else. You know, regardless of what else comes and what I become and where I go and where I work and what I do. Regardless of the circumstances, is this me? Because if it's not... And we have some work to do. You know, Arlene and I, we lost one of our neighbors this past week. They came to do a a welfare check. Scotty lived alone. He was 88 years old. He kind of kept to himself. You know, he's one of those guys that never even hardly opened up the curtains. We'd see him occasionally, especially in the spring and summer. You know, he'd come outside and we would, we would talk to him, and, and um, he was a good guy. He was just kind of a stay-to-himself kind of guy. And then those kind of people during the wintertime, these things can happen. He had a, he had a medical emergency, and, and uh, he passed away. And it was some days before anybody knew that it had happened. One of his grandchildren from New York uh, called the police and said, we can't get a hold of of grandpa and so they came and checked and of course you know we saw the lights outside and you know nosy neighbors we got to go out and see what's going on and I went out and talked to the young uh, state trooper very nice young man and uh, he went in the house and and he found Scotty Arlene and I went to his funeral the other day it was down in Martinsburg that's where he was born and raised and he had moved away from to New York and then down to the Carolinas. And a number of years ago, he moved back here and settled there on uh, on our street. So we went down to the to the funeral, and and um, there wasn't very many people there. And it kind of broke my heart. You know, that something like that could happen, and nobody noticed. But you know what? I felt bad until his grandson got up, who I had not met. I did not know. But he started telling stories of his grandfather and how he used to come and visit. And, and he just went on and on and on and on. And you know what I found? I found that his stories about Scotty's life and his love for his grandfather cheered me up. Because I saw a side of this, this fella that, that, I, that I'd never experienced. I didn't know existed. And you know what? I, thought, I, I hope that that's the kind of experience that, that I, I, I've created in your heart and mind and soul this morning as you've come to this passage. Because you know what? If we, if we truly ask ourselves that question, what does God want me to do? Even right now, what what does God want me to do right now, today, this morning, at this time, in this place of worship? 
You know, we can answer that, well, God wants me to sing, God wants me to worship, God wants me to pray, God wants me to seek Him, and, and all those things are true. But the only evidence of those being true in your life or mine is if when we leave here, that we act justly. And by the way, that word in this passage does not mean uh, retribution. Judgment is God and only God. God wants us to act justly. God wants us to love mercy. God wants us to walk humbly in the Lord. So the only way you can answer the question is what does God want me to do the right way is that if when you leave here that describes who you are. And all too often, I'll just talk about my own life and you can talk about yours, all too often that doesn't describe me to the extent that it should. So let's pray to God that this, this is who we will be each and every one, each and every person, each and every stranger, each and every friend, each and every family member, each and every person that we work for, each and every person that works for us, each and every neighbor, each and every one that we come in contact with. May this be who we are. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, what a foundation. And Lord, when this is our foundation, Oh, what a beautiful thing that we can build upon it. But God, if we fail to put in the proper time of, of securing this kind of foundation to build upon, oh God, how, how far we, we miss the mark uh, when we don't do that. So Lord, I just pray right now that every person in this room could answer truthfully, if this is them, and Lord, if we answer, no, this is not me, that our simple prayer would be, God, make me this person. Help me to look at people this way. Help me, Lord, to, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly in your name each and every day. Father, may it be so in Jesus' name. Amen.